0: This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update. Today we're gonna be discussing COVID data reporting changes and strengthening public health infrastructure with Dr. Marcus Plesha, Chief Medical Officer of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, or ASTHO, in Atlanta. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Plesha, it's so great to see you again. It's been a while since we last talked. A lot has changed. Uh, One thing that hasn't changed is the need to capture timely and complete data. Uh, to track and respond to ongoing changes with the virus. And back in March, a uh, New York Times article in which you were quoted said that some states uh, were reducing their daily reporting of COVID cases, hospitalizations, death plans, the stats that we've been kind of covering and uh, for the past two years. Let's start by talking about where we are right now with this uh, across the country in terms of state by state.
1: Yeah, sure. So there, there are a handful of states that are continuing to do this daily reporting of some of the surveillance data that we're used to, but most states have scaled back a bit. The, the feeling is that we're at a different place with the pandemic. We don't necessarily need that level of sort of daily numbers. And we're also, I think we'll get into the conversation later, we're starting to look at some different things as well. So the majority of states are still reporting several times a week. And then there are a few states that have just gone back to weekly, so we are we are starting to scale that back a bit, and uh, you know I think that's uh, kind of consistent with a lot of things that are changing as we get to a little different stage with how we're handling the pandemic.
0: Well, that's uh, a good topic to dig into. Because my, my question for you is, you know, what do we need to know at this point? Do we need the absolute numbers? Uh, how? how do we shift the conversation in terms of what data is needed given where we are right now?
1: I, I think that you know, it's really a matter of how we best use the resources that we have. You know, Providing data on a daily basis, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to get those data ready to you know, sort of pull everything together and assimilate them. And you know, we don't really necessarily need to put so much emphasis there you know, it's, it's important that we do have some sense of where things are going with the pandemic. Um, As I think everybody knows, we are shifting now to being a lot more focused on the hospitalization numbers, the death numbers, you know, with with such effective vaccines, that's really the thing that we've got to be concerned about. Um, You know, we don't want people to get COVID, but people are going to get COVID, and if they've been vaccinated, they're probably going to be okay, and hence a little bit of a shift in where we're really putting the emphasis. Now, some people are concerned of, you know, well, how do we catch something early, and I think we still have a system that'll work for that, and let's keep in mind, when we scale back to, to reporting once a week, it doesn't mean we couldn't shift and go back to reporting more frequently. We, we've we got that down. I think we could change that up, but I think we're at a place right now where we, we can monitor what's going on, and, and so much of this so far, we get a good warning from what's going on internationally. Most of the variants that we've seen thus far have popped up in other places, and we've kind of known what's coming from looking at the experience in Europe and other nations.
0: I feel like uh, a lot of the kind of complete reporting and the stuff that we cover, you know, say weekly in our, in our code update, like it's just kind of blurring into the background at this point, not having necessarily the impact. Like when you think about that, like what. What do you want people paying attention to at this point?
1: Well, we, we want people to pay attention to the impact on the medical care system. I mean, you know, everybody has been challenged by this. And, you know, certainly public health professionals, but medical professionals, particularly those who've been in in COVID care taking roles, have it's been tough. And you know, the, the hope is with vaccination and actually with pretty good participation in vaccination in the United States. Hopefully we're going to see less of that, but that's what we've got to watch. I mean, the, 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 the real concern all along is that we never want to get to a place where our healthcare systems are completely overwhelmed. We've gotten a little close. It's gotten a little scary, but so far that's really not happened anywhere. But that's what we've got to monitor closely. And if we see start, things starting to trend in the wrong direction for people who are getting more severely ill, that's when we're going to have to, that's when we would have to act and bring back some of these interventions that aren't so popular. But, you know, I, I do think if we got to that place, people would would understand the severity of the situation. So that's what we're monitoring. And we're getting there with some other ways to look at overall surveillance of COVID cases, things like wastewater surveillance and just um, sentinel surveillance systems. I mean, that's how we monitor influenza. We don't keep a daily count of how many people have the flu every year. We have other systems that allow us to track the trends
0: well kind of to one of your points there uh you know data is part of the solution but you know when the when the books are written and i guess they're being kind of written right now as people look back i mean there's never not in a long time we've we seen this kind of strain in our public health infrastructure um and that's just so important as we think about how to respond to future crises how uh this, this issue and i guess uh, It's brought a little bit to attention by their uh, recent court decision about public health authority. Um, Why why has this been such a challenge, and you know what do we do to address it? Well, everybody is fed up.
1: You know, everybody is so tired of this situation. We've been on you know talk about political partnership on both sides. I mean, people who are conservative or are frustrated people who are liberal people in the middle everybody's frustrated but we have to make sure that as a result of that frustration we don't start making policy decisions that are going to undermine our ability to protect our populations in the future and that's what's concerning about some of these challenges to public health authorities yes there's this feeling like you know we we have to be considered of people's individual rights. I mean, that that is kind of a core thing of our nation, but most of the public health authorities that we have, the public never even knows when we're using them. I mean, COVID is a very different example, but we have to make sure that once we do move on from COVID, which we will, we don't end up hurting the system where basic things that everybody would agree with. If you have a restaurant that has a gastrointestinal infection degrees running rampant in it that that restaurant either needs to close or the public health system needs to be able to step in and close it i don't think anybody would disagree with that but those are the kinds of things some of these decisions some of these state legislative laws you know even the issue with the with the mask mandate it's not so much the mask mandate it's the precedent that's getting set we're very concerned about that. I think that the medical community is very concerned about that. We really need to be very thoughtful about how we can, how we can provide some input to policymakers from the professional perspective that we have as, as physicians and public health experts so that we don't get too carried away with some of those.
0: Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape
1: its future. Help Move Medicine, join the movement. Visit AMA-ASSN.org slash So, I mean,
0: there, uh, there were communicable diseases before COVID. And of course, the public health uh, officials who are just such heroes of this, uh, uh, this, this era, obviously hard at work uh, uh, protecting the public from those. And that, that, that issue of authority, of course, is so important. Um, on a, a related topic, um, AMA's uh, Council on Science and Public Health uh, uh, worked with uh, a, m- a number of stakeholders, including ASTO, uh, at ways that we can strengthen the nation's public health infrastructure. And one idea that emerged from this was that medicine and public health need to work more collaboratively. Talk to us a little bit about what does that mean exactly, why that is so important.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very excited about that particular recommendation that's coming out of of AMA membership and some of the folks who've been engaged in some of the public health issues. You know, we all know there's a continuum between, you know, medical care, medical care and sort of very... Structured, you know, hospital settings down to primary care, down to community health, into population health. I mean, it runs the gamut. And most of us who, most practicing physicians, they're working on the edge of that in various ways. I mean, you know, many of us in taking care of the patients that we see on a day to day basis can't help but think about some of the community health or population health issues that need to be addressed. I mean, it's, we get frustrated that, you know, sometimes you've got to just step back and figure out how do you turn off the spigot rather than deal with with all of the suffering that we're seeing coming downstage. And and that's, you know, that's the whole interface between medical care and public health. We've, we've got a long history of trying to think through this. There's been a number of different models. I think we have made some progress. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of things that physicians can do in their communities to be supportive of or even participate in the public health efforts. And I also think from an advocacy point of view, there's a great deal that medical associations like the AMA and associations like mine can work together on. Like we were just talking about the erosion of public health authority. That's something where we need to come together and say, we are the professional people in this society who deal with these issues and we need you to listen to us.
0: Well, again, on the area of advocacy, I mean, one of the clear opportunities there is to make sure that there's the funding for public health infrastructure. And I think that, you know, it's probably frustrating because if, uh, as, as you read, like, if public health uh, is working, uh, you don't see these kinds of huge emergencies. Uh, and we can't just wait for a crisis uh, to fund the public health system. As you look forward, you know, how are we going to close these gaps? And put an in infrastructure in place that will allow us uh, to be ready for whatever mother nature throws at us? How? What's the best way to approach funding, you know, given that reality?
1: Well, w- we do need to put some more resources into the public health system. I mean, it seems like nowadays for everything, it's like we need more resources. I-, I will say in the case of the public health system, we need more resources, but the absolute amount of resources we know is actually in the greater scheme of things, not that much. I mean, first of all, public health isn't that well funded. So even a 50% bump in funding wouldn't be that big of a price tag. So, I mean, that's the first thing. It's it's an investment, but it's a modest investment. And then we need to really target that at a couple of things that need to be fixed. The most important one is data systems. I mean, we, we need the public health data systems to be as sophisticated and robust as the medical care data systems. I mean, I mean, the two work together. We were just talking about medicine and public health. I mean, a lot of it is about about the data that we all share and the public health systems, we've just seen how antiquated and incapable they are of meeting our needs as a society. That's fixable. We, we, can, we can fix that. Some of that is just one-time investments to fix. The other thing is we do need to bump up the workforce a little bit. We need to be able to bring more people into public health departments. We need professional people. We also need more lay people. There's a lot of interest now in community health workers, engaging people who live in communities where we see the greatest Disparities and equities, where we see a lot of distrust, engaging people who can really connect in those communities. That's the opportunity here. Is if we if we have a, little, we can not only invest in our current workforce, we can also begin to build some of these different kinds of workforce that I think will
0: make us all much stronger. Well, uh, last question: How can the AMA and the physicians uh, who are listening to this help? In that goal of strengthening our public health infrastructure as we kind of hopefully continue to move out of this pandemic and in uh, the recovery and build, rebuilding process
1: yeah i mean there's a few things first of all I, you know physicians and the ama have been a, a huge help to public health throughout all of this and and you know frankly physicians have been shouldering a lot of the burden and taking care of people who've been sick so i think it's a matter of just continuing some of that you know there there are opportunities for leadership and for advocacy at the local level. You know, we need physicians to people trust physicians. We need physicians to to continue to engage. I mean, I think going forward, the success, the the ability to control the covid pandemic, I think will ultimately the biggest piece of that will be vaccination. And we probably will have to revaccinate people, have reformulated vaccines. We need providers really more and more now to enroll in the COVID vaccination program. I mean, it's. I think some of the work we've done through pharmacies and other sectors is fine, but as we go forward, it's gonna be about trust and it's gonna be about your doctor encouraging you to get vaccinated or if you get sick to take the therapeutics. And we've gotta get back to that. And so that's one thing to do. The other is advocacy. I mean, we look out for each other. Um, Public health is, you know, our professionals have had a hard time. We have people making death threats to, our, our leaders, you know, we need to step up and say that's inappropriate. I think having medical providers in their communities say, hey, you know, that, that, that's not how we're going to do things anymore. These are our peers, and we're on their side. That would be very helpful as well.
0: Uh, Dr. Plesha. it's uh, always such a pleasure to see you, and uh, I feel like uh, you, along with many guests, I've talked to you for, for two years. It's, it's good to see you on the other side of this, and uh, just say thank you for Everything you've done. Uh, that wraps up today's COVID nineteen update. Uh, we'll be back soon with another segment. In the meantime, check out COVID uh, our COVID resources at ama-assn.org/covid-nineteen. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org/podcasts. Thank you for listening.